Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we assess Ghana's chances at the upcoming FIFA World Cup. It's their fourth appearance, having been quarter-finalists in 2010, and with a chaotic group stage exit in 2014. We hear from Accra. I must say that Ghanaians are not really expecting much from the Black Stars. They are really managing their expectations. That's coming later. Also, with the zonal qualifiers of the inaugural African Schools Football Championship underway, we find out about the competition and its aims. Lots on the English Premier League too, and we ask whether FIFA President Gianni Infantino's claims make sense that a November World Cup will avoid burnt-out players at the tournament. So it's a really packed show today, and we start with the second edition of the CAF Women's Champions League in Morocco. The final group games being played on Saturday and Sunday. In Group A, AS Far of Morocco already through to the semi-finals. They came from one nil down to beat Green Buffaloes of Zambia two one, thanks to two penalties. Either Green Buffaloes or Simba Queens of Tanzania will join AS Far in the semi-finals from that group. Those two play on Saturday. Both are on three points. Determine Queens of Liberia are out already. In Group B, Mamelodi Sundowns ladies of South Africa, the defending champions, are impressing with a 5-0 win over Wadi Degla women of Egypt on Thursday, with some lovely goals, having beaten Bielsa Queens of Nigeria in their opening game.、Uh, the final of the CAF Women's Champions League is on next weekend. Now the zonal qualifiers of the inaugural African Schools Football Championship have begun. First up was Egypt, and then Malawi last weekend, and then this month we have zonal qualifiers in Ivory Coast and in Congo Brazzaville, and then next month in Uganda. The finals will be played next April. Now the CAF president Patrice Motsepe and the CAF general secretary Veron Mosengo Ombo were at the tournament in Malawi. The boys' competition was won by Clapham High School of South Africa. Here's their coach Joel Masilela. It's a well-deserved performance from my boys, and I just like to thank the sponsors, the organisation of CAF, Kosafa, to make this happen for these boys. It's not only for us, but for these young, young, young kids. I think.、Uh, It's a privilege, and this is something that we've been looking for, especially school football.、Uh, Mr. Patrice Mutibe, make it happen, and and it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a tough one going forward. We st- we need just to work on, push on, and 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 focus, and you know, and try to to motivate the boys, because、uh, we still have a long way to go. It's going to be hard, I know, but we'll work hard and and try to to come up with a trophy and represent the, the African continent. That's Joel Masilela, the coach of Clapham High School of South Africa, and with his thoughts on the tournament, he's the Football Association of Malawi president Walter Nyamilandu. It's been a huge success, and、uh, we didn't expect it would come this far. The inaugural competition, I think, has gone according to plan. Hosting of the teams, there were no complaints. You know, the venue itself was magnificent. The standard of play, some of us have been very surprised. We've seen talent in the schools, and I think it has achieved. The purpose that was intended for that we must identify talent from the schools, from both boys and girls. 
Well, the African Schools Football Championship was a pre-election pledge of Patrice Motsepe, and his Motsepe Foundation is one of the sponsors. Uh, Ida, what else can you tell us about the competition and its aims? Right, Steve. It's actually a 10 million US dollar sponsorship from the Motsepe Foundation. And just to break down the prize money, well, the winner will take home 300,000. Runners up 200,000 and third place 150,000. But don't forget that this program runs on two other levels before it gets to the continental stage, you know, that will give us the ultimate winner. There was the national level that ran through to July this year. And there's the six zonal levels you've mentioned running through to December. And even in the zonal, winners will get a hundred thousand each, you know, going through to the third place in the zones that will receive fifty thousand. Steve, you know, people often talk about the need for better development of age grade football in the continent. And yes, while we can't have more regional tournaments for junior national teams, I mean, this is another way to look at it, you know, that can hopefully dig even deeper by benefiting institutions instead of a select few members of a national team, for example. I mean, this is taking it right to the grassroots level. Schools are supposed to use the prize money for development of sports infrastructure, amongst other things. And interestingly enough, there isn't such a program running in Europe, for example, which places more of an emphasis on juniors at club level and junior national teams, you know, perhaps because the infrastructure there at school level is already efficient, you know, and churns out quite a bit of talent. But in this way, you do see that, you know, this is a concept that CAF has developed and can hopefully take far. Now, according to the Continental Body, this program will see over 20,000 schools from 41 countries in the continent take part. And it will run concurrently, as we've already seen in some of the zonals, with workshops organized separately by CAF, you know, to train kids with different ambitions, you know, in coaching. We're talking young reporters, young referees and even young medics. On to some of the rules of the game. Well, it's a tournament involving players aged 12 to 15. Each team consists of eight players. Matches are 40 minutes long with two halves of 20 minutes, and uh, that will be separated by a 10-minute break. There will be unlimited substitution, Steve, meaning that the coaches have the option of rotating the players on the pitch. So quite interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. And uh, the finals of the inaugural edition of the African Schools Football Championship are on next April. Thanks, Ida. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to the FIFA World Cup, just two weeks to the start of the tournament in Qatar, with five African teams taking part. And on the show today, we're going to focus on Ghana's Black Stars. It's their fourth appearance. They were quarter-finalists in 2010. They made it to the round of 16 in 2006 and exited at the group stage in 2014. Arsenal midfielder Thomas Partey is among their star players. I spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Betty Yorson in Accra in Ghana and asked her about the preparations and the expectations. Well, when you come to Ghana, it's an exciting mood, exciting in the sense that World Cup is a whole package for Ghanaians. 
as aside the fact that there will be players representing the country to play at the World Cup, it's also a cash cow for most Ghanaians who will be, I mean, dealing in most of the replica jerseys and all that. Those that have pubs that will be open up for people to come and watch football and other stuff. So it's really an exciting mood for Ghanaians here in Ghana. And when you talk of the Black Stars, I think the GFA, they are putting a lot of things in place to ensure that um, the Black Stars, they have a successful tournament at the World Cup. Because, I mean, our last appearance at the World Cup was an eyesore. It was a fiasco. And so they are hoping it doesn't repeat itself. And I think last two weeks, the GFA declared um, a day for fasting for the Muslim. It was a Friday fasting for the black stars and then the the sunday was for christians to also fast and i understand um this coming friday will be a national day for the muslims to pray for the black stars and on sunday that will be on sixth will be for the christians to pray for the black stars so aside they doing the i mean the physical aspects of it they are also encouraging the spiritual aspect to be done and so that when you come to ghana it's quite um, a busy mood for the gfa an exciting mood for ghanaians and i must say that ghanaians are not really expecting much from the black stars they are really managing their expectations especially knowing that the fact that the, the team is still rebuilding or it's in a rebuilding process with a coach that it doesn't really have much experience that's Otoado and also I mean we have most of our players I think we have just two of our players that played at the last World Cup that might feature um, in, in, in the upcoming World Cup though the provisional squad or the squad have not been released yet but Ghanaians are really managing their expectation because to them we have players but we don't have a team Okay, so they have players, but not a team, maybe. So, as you say, the last appearance at the World Cup in 2014 uh, really was chaotic for the Black Stars. Uh, Cash was flown on a plane to Brazil to end disputes over bonuses and allowances. So it's sounding more organised this time. Yeah, so this time around, they are making sure that things are more organised. I spoke to the um, spokesperson of the GFA and he actually said, and I'm quoting, that it would be criminal if um, whatever that repeated in Brazil repeats itself at the, in Qatar because they've really spoken to the players about their bonuses. They've um, had a lot of conversations with the sports ministry, government officials on how to handle the financial aspect of the players. This is how it looks now. It looks much more organized on paper, but we will just have to see it's been implemented in Qatar when the tournament gets underway. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So the players should be more focused, hopefully. Uh, tell us about the key players in the squad. I guess Arsenal's Thomas Partey is among them. And uh, what about these stories of a possible return to the Black Stars for Ghana legend Asamoah Jan? Uh, is he going to be in the squad? <laughs> it's, I, I think most Ghanaians will be very disappointed if they see a Samojan in the squad. Not that they don't appreciate what he has done. Yes, he's a leading all-time goal scorer. He has the most goals at the World Cup. But as it stands now, with a Samojan state and the kind of weight that he has put on, um, no Ghanaian will even call for his inclusion in the Black Stars. So as it stands now, though the squad has not been released yet, but from the, the I mean, the comments made by GFA officials, it looks clearly that Asamoja will not be part of the Black Stars squad. But maybe he might go to the World Cup to at least cheer the players up, to motivate them. But in terms of playing, he's not going to be part of it. And I mean, there are other key players that... 
I mean, might feature in the squad. We have Daniel Amati. I mean, he has been a revelation for Leicester City this season. I, it got some time ago, he was actually starting from the bench, but I think he's really caught the eye or caught the eye of Brendan Rogers and he's doing amazing well, amazingly well. Mohamed Kudus, I mean, he's Ghana's poster boy and currently, I mean, he's doing everything right at Ayas. And so he's one player that, I mean, many Ghanaians will be hoping to see being included in the Black Star squad. And obviously, Thomas Partey and then Andre Dedea, who is the captain of the Black Star. So there are some key players, even like Inyaki Williams. Inyaki Williams um, switched his nationality to play for the Black Stars. Also, Tariq Lamte. Um, I mean, most Ghanaians were excited to see Tariq Lamte switching his nationality to play for the Black Star. There was one player. Hudson Odoi. As it stands now, it is still speculative whether he's going to be included in the World Cup, um, I mean the squad for Black Stars, um, the, the squad for the Black Stars. But as it stands now, he has not announced his nationality switch for Ghana. But it's still speculative, maybe he might be part of the squad for the Black Stars. I was talking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Betty Yorson in Accra in Ghana. As we'll keep following this story of Callum Hudson-Odoi, the England youth international who's on loan from Chelsea to Bayer Leverkusen in Germany, as he might switch nationality ahead of the World Cup. So it's a difficult-looking group for Ghana with Portugal, with Uruguay and with South Korea. Uh, Betty there saying there's no pressure from the Black Stars fans. Uh, what are your expectations uh, of Ghana at the World Cup, Ida? Well, Steve, it's not been an easy year for Ghana. I mean, they've won just two matches out of 12 in 2022. A horrible showing at the Afghan earlier this year, that group stage exit. And it saw former coach Ryavach replaced with current coach Otto Addo. And it was quite a step because don't forget that Addo is also a talent coach at German club Borussia Dortmund. And it's a role, Steve, that many don't see him letting go of. And especially with reports that a three-year extension has been on the cards for him. Now, naturally, you know, this quote-unquote conflict of interest, if you will, is something that Ghanaians have raised issue with, asking if he really has the capacity to give the national team that 100% dedication, that 100% commitment, of course, owing to his job in Dortmund. Nonetheless, uh, Adio will become the first man to coach and play for Ghana at a World Cup. So generally, it has been a trying time for the Black Stars. I mean, you've heard Betty there talk about the National Days of Prayer even. And Steve, they do go into this as the lowest ranked team in Qatar at 61. But there have been one or two positive flashes, I will say. For example, getting past Nigeria to qualify for the World Cup. I think that is something that would always be sweet to a Ghanaian. <laughs> and uh, we have seen that they have turned a lot of diasporan talent to bolster the squad, as we've discussed quite a bit before. The Black Stars, Steve, have one more match to try and rejig, try and set up a bit of a positive base, you know, to spring into Qatar with. Now, they do face Switzerland in Abu Dhabi on the 17th. After that, it's straight into the World Cup, that group with Portugal, 
South Korea, who we saw actually dismiss Cameroon not too long ago in an international friendly. And then, Steve, the big one, the emotional one, that grudge match, if you will, against Uruguay. And look, I've heard some fans say that if Ghana does nothing else in Qatar, that they should beat Uruguay. And that, at least as we know, is for obvious reasons. Oh yes, that uh, 2010 World Cup quarter-final between Ghana and Uruguay where Luis Suarez blocked the ball with his hand on the line in extra time and if it had been a goal it would have seen Ghana the first African team ever to go through to the semi-finals uh, but Jan missed the resulting penalty and Ghana lost in the penalty shootout that followed. Yeah, well, thanks, Ida. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. What are you expecting from Ghana at the World Cup? They were quarter-finalists in 2010, a chaotic group stage exit in 2014. They got players like Mohamed Kudus, Thomas Partey and Daniel Amati. So what are you expecting from the Black Stars in Qatar? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five. 232780. That's plus 447955232780. What are you expecting from Ghana at the World Cup? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League and the UEFA Champions League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. Uh, there you can read our blog on the Zambia and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu, who had to cut short his career recently because of a heart issue, and on how his future is secure as a follower of Jesus. That's on our website, planetsport.tv and you go to the blog section there. Well, last week on social media, we asked, what's wrong with Barcelona? As a Barca crashed out of the Champions League with a 3-0 home loss to Bayern Munich, and it's the second season in a row that they failed to make it to the Champions League knockout stage, having previously done it for 17 seasons in a row. Uh, Barca spent around $150 million on new signings, including Robert Lewandowski. So we asked, what do you think is the problem at uh, Barca? Uh, we start in Kenya with Duke Kionga, who says they need to have a stronger mentality in their football. In the Gambia, Belong Baji says, My honest opinion is that their commitment and desire was not enough. And Jerome Okudi says, uh, It gets me confused as to what's wrong with Barca. I'm beginning to question their winning mentality by the day. I wonder how they couldn't make it from a group that had Bayern and Inter Milan. I don't really know who to blame because we have a good squad. Maybe it's the past administration that brought this situation about, says Jerome. Then others felt that it's to do with the players. Hafizu Luwal Matazu says they need more sharp scorers at the front like Lewandowski. He's the only one you can have confidence in if he's in the 18 area that he will definitely score. Johnson Francis in Nigeria says Lewandowski is the only player who delivers on a daily basis, but the others are not up to the task. Chuk Baz in Nigeria, though, says, I'll say the problem of Barca is not the players. They made good signings. The problem is the coach. 
They need a person who went to coaching school. Xavi is trying, but he's just a great former Barcelona player. He hasn't got enough coaching experience, says Chuxpa.、Uh, well, to be fair, Xavi does have a UEFA Pro license, but、uh, many others did wonder about、uh, his level of experience, including Cisse Alfred in Sierra Leone, who says the club is too big for the coach. He needs to coach smaller clubs first to get experience, says Cisse. Omo Toyinbo Desmond Adamola in Nigeria says he only prioritizes the Spanish players in the team, and I don't blame him because we're in a World Cup year. In South Sudan in Juba, Athian Mariel says the problem is too many Spanish players, and Amdalai Kane says Xavi is the problem. He only prioritizes his Spanish brothers and gives them too much playing time. Sideko Suno in the Gambia says the main reason why Barca's in this crisis is because Xavi wants to give. More playing time to the Spanish players.、Uh, however, on the other hand, eminent icon in Cameroon says, "For you who are saying Xavi is the problem, I'll tell you that it's good for Barcelona to crash out at the group stage to let the board know that the building project is not yet complete and stop blaming Xavi." Says eminent icon. And finally, on a humorous note, Maror Angay Maror in South Sudan says, "I encourage Barcelona to open up a case against UEFA next year if they get drawn alongside Bayern Munich again." Says Maror. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. Next, here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK. And this weekend, the standout games: Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham against Liverpool. Both matches are on Sunday.、But、let's go back to last weekend and、uh, Brighton beating Chelsea 4-1 in a big surprise, as the Seagulls gave their former coach Graham Potter quite a lesson, Stuart. Yes, indeed. Graham Potter taking his unbeaten Chelsea team, unbeaten under his managership, to Brighton, the club he used to manage. And by half time, Brighton had scored three and finished up winning four-one. Now, I need to correct that. I said that Brighton had scored three goals, but actually Chelsea had conceded two own goals. And then Chelsea had to substitute their now number one goalkeeper Kepa at half time, bringing on Edward Mendy. And apparently, Steve, this is the first time a goalkeeper in the Premier League has ever been substituted after conceding two own goals. And it was a strange day for goalkeepers because Aston Villa's Emiliano Martinez and West Ham's Lucas Fabianski also got injured. Three goalkeepers substituted in one weekend. Last week we were singing Nottingham Forest's praises after they beat Liverpool, so they really must have gone with more confidence than usual. To a tricky away game at Arsenal, and the confidence lasted all of five minutes. Arsenal were one up, and went on to score four more goals in a five-nil win. Now, last month, the Ghanaian Thomas Partey scored a shot from outside the penalty area, and I rather unkindly pointed out that it was one goal in fifty-six attempts from long range for Arsenal. Well, four weeks later, he did it again with an absolute screamer against Forest. Newcastle moved to the top four last weekend, and they confirmed their excellent form by beating Aston Villa four nil. Now Villa are still managerless, as Una Emery is still waiting for a work permit, without which he cannot start his employment. Incidentally, Steve, I think I know why Una Emery will be a good fit for Aston Villa. It's because he previously 
managed Villa Real and Sevilla in Spain. So he obviously likes clubs that end in Villa. Liverpool lost to a team in the bottom three, Nottingham Forest. And it happened again, as they lost at home to Leeds United, who had started the day in the relegation zone. The ever-honest manager, Jurgen Klopp, was asked what went wrong, and he said everything. Pretty much every player in the team can play better than they did today. But it leaves Liverpool in ninth place, 15 points off the top of the table. AFC Bournemouth's acting manager Gary O'Neill was undefeated in his first six games in charge, but he's now lost three in a row. And the 3-2 defeat by Tottenham was particularly frustrating, as Bournemouth had led 2-0 early in the second half, and Tottenham's winner came in stoppage time. But, you know, that shouldn't entirely surprise us, because Tottenham this year have scored nine goals in the first half, and 17 in the second. Well done, Marcus Rashford, who scored the only goal as Manchester United beat West Ham 1-0, and that was his 100th goal for Manchester United in all competitions. And since you asked, Steve, it was 82 with the right foot, 11 with the left, and seven headers, including that one against West Ham. Yes, Marcus Rashford looking in great form for England ahead of the FIFA World Cup. And the UEFA Champions League group stage ending midweek. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Manchester City all topping their groups, Stuart. Yeah, we now know the 16 teams uh, who will be in the knockout stages. Well, there's four from England, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea and Tottenham. Four from Germany, Bayern, Eintracht Frankfurt, Leipzig and Dortmund. So that's half the teams from either England or Germany. Three from Italy, Napoli, Inter Milan, AC Milan. Benfica and Porto from Portugal, Bruges from Belgium, PSG from France, and Real Madrid, incredibly, the only Spanish club left. We mentioned previously that Juventus, Barcelona, Atletico and Seville have all failed to get through. And I reckon there were 22 African players helping those 16 teams to progress. Players like Mosala for Liverpool or Andre Odana, Inter Milan. Chelsea had three. Hakim Ziyech, Kolobali and Aubameyang. AC Milan with Fodi Balotori, Riyad Mahrez from Manchester City, Atraf Hakimi of Paris Saint-Germain. But I really want to shout out to Bruges of Belgium, unexpectedly qualifying. And they have four African players in their team. Yes, a club rouge with Raphael Onyedinka of Nigeria, Abaka Silla of Ivory Coast and two Ghanaians, Kamal Soa and Dennis Odoi. Now, as we get closer to the FIFA World Cup, uh, FIFA President Gianni Infantino said recently that this World Cup will benefit from being played mid-season as players won't be burnt out at the end of a long season this time ahead of the World Cup. Uh, not sure if I agree though, Stuart. Gianni Infantino has a great gift for presenting information in a way that suits what he wants to say. If he were in politics, we would call him a spin doctor. Yes, of course, there's an element of truth in what he says. Players are often tired at the end of a long season and the World Cup suffers because of it. But playing the World Cup in November and December causes different problems, frankly. How have the football authorities managed to create a November-December window for the World Cup? 
by cramming a lot of games into three and a half months. Take the Premier League. The season started earlier than usual and already the top Premier League clubs have have played 18 or 19 games and will reach 22 before the World Cup starts. That is, by the time the World Cup starts, there will have been 16 rounds of Premier League fixtures scheduled compared to 12 at the same point last season and six rounds of Champions League games played compared to four at the same point. So that's six extra games. And take Tottenham's Harry Kane as an example. He has already played 20 games this season and is likely to play three or four more before going to the World Cup. And Kane is a player who plays 90 minutes every week. So he'll be very rested, uh, uh, Gianni. Playing three games in eight days has been the norm this season and it's taken its toll on players. France have already lost Varane, Kante and Pogba to injury. Portugal will be without Jota and Neto. Ricarlison, Di Maria, Lukaku, Rhys James are other players who are 50-50 to be fit for the World Cup. And of course another factor this year is that normally there would be warm-up games and preparation camps where players can receive medical treatment and acclimatise. This year some Premier League players will play for their clubs on the 13th of November and immediately fly to a country with a completely different climate and have to be ready to play a World Cup game eight days later. Steve, I think you're quite right to question if the president of FIFA is telling the whole story. Yes, so plenty of players are picking up injuries already ahead of the World Cup. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.